This is the Benchwarmers Trivia Podcast 2021 Tournament. We've assembled eight members of the BTP Patreon team to battle it out and find out who will win the prestigious Platinum Splinter, proving once and for all that you are not an ordinary benchwarmer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Benchwarmers Trivia Podcast, sports trivia for those of us who rode the pine. I'm your host, Dan, and today's game will be round one of the 2021 BTP Tournament. And this match is going to feature guests Tim Geving and Tim Simplot, who will be referred to from here on out as Geving and Simplot. Welcome to the bench, Tim Geving. Why don't you uh, take a minute to remind us of where you're from, uh, teams you root for, and favorite uh, ballpark food. How's it going, guys? Tim Geving, Geving, uh, going forward, it seems like. So I'm from Springfield, Illinois. I'm a big Chicago fan, Cubs, Hawks. Favorite, uh, I mean, nachos. Nachos and beers, nothing better than that, right? I mean. That, that's a that that's a solid choice right there. I'm not going to not gonna lie. That's a very solid choice. With, with, with or without jalapenos? With, absolutely with. Okay. Yeah, that's the right answer. All right. Welcome to the bench. Uh, Simplot, how are you doing tonight? Why don't you take us a minute to give us, uh, remind us where you're from and uh, teams you root for and uh, also your favorite ballpark, ballpark food. Uh, Tim Simplot here, a.k.a. Simplot. Uh, I live in South St. Paul, Minnesota, which is just about two minutes outside of the city of St. Paul. My favorite team by far is Minnesota Gopher Hockey. My second favorite team, I probably it's it might be the Vikings, but that'd be a distant second. Um, my least favorite is probably the Timberwolves. I'm just not a big NBA guy. So, and my favorite ballpark food, I hate to say, I just like a good hot dog. Um, I'm very weird in that I don't like cheese. So I disagree with the other Tim about nachos. I don't like cheese. So uh, I get a lot of grief for that. Yeah, so um, South St. Paul, by the way, just for all of our uh, listeners out there, not South of St. Paul. No, very it's very- not. It's goofy. <laughs> and West St. Paul, also not West of St. Paul. <laughs> So, Correct. and actually there's also a North St. Paul, which is not like you guessed it North of St. Paul. And there's also an East side of St. Paul, but it's not officially known as East St. Paul as a city, but that it's at least is on the East, east side. side of St. Paul. So right. it's, it's got goofy. that going. South St. Paul. Paul is birthplace of uh, Phil Housley, a hockey player, and then not a uh, TV related uh, Mike Farrell from MASH. All right. Well, also with us tonight, um, we have our bench warmer helper, and that is going to be, who is that going to be tonight? How about Eric Walling? We can have Eric Walling come on and do that. Eric, how are you tonight? And, uh, you know, let us know what's going on. Hey, sure. Just had to run in from the other room because I didn't know I was going to do this. Thanks for the quick ad, Dan. Yeah, I'm good. We're doing well here in Father's Day. I've managed to hang all the pictures that I was trying to hang today and didn't kill anyone in the process. So big win for the Walling family. And yeah, yeah. So as far as, but as far as ballpark food goes, I've been to quite a few ballparks. The Dodger dog is immensely overrated. It's just a trash hot dog. I'm kind of in Simplot's court here. It's sort of a my dad thing. He would always, you know, before we sat in our seats, he would stop, he would go, we would get a couple of Rangers, Texas Rangers hot dogs um, from the old ballpark, the old ballpark, like it was such an old stadium and eat those as we sat and filled out our scorecard. So I am a, I am a ballpark uh, hot dog guy, and I will 100% judge a stadium on their ability to provide a good hot dog. So good job, Milwaukee. That's all I'm saying. I'm also a hot dog guy. I I really enjoy hot dogs, but um, unlike other people, I enjoy my hot dog as just a hot dog. I don't put anything on it. 
at all. No, uh, no ketchup, no mustard, no relish, no onions, no anything. I just like the hot dog. So the hot dog actually has a good, has to have a good flavor to it. The dome dogs at the Minnesota, at the um, Hubert, H. Humphrey, Hubert H. Humphrey Metrodome. I loved them. They were gigantic dogs. I mean, like girth, they had girth. They weren't, they weren't long, but they had girth. Um, they were, uh, they, they, they were a good, they had a good flavor. They were Hormel, you know, Hormel does a. They Except on Dollar Dog Night, then they were uh, not the smallest. Well, no, they couldn't afford to sell the Hormel. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, this uh, tournament's going to have a very, very different format than you're all used to. So uh, we're going to kick it over to me for the rules. I'm not going to do them live because you know what? I just don't get paid well enough to do that. Each BTP tournament game will feature 15 questions, five in the wheelhouse of each player, and five general knowledge sports trivia questions. Each question will be worth 10 points with two exceptions. If a player gets a question correct in the other player's wheelhouse, they will receive 15 points. And in the last set of five questions, a bench warmer will be available as a one-time helper for each player. If the player uses that helper and they get the question correct, the player will receive only five points. In the case of a tie, at the end of the game, the players will answer a sports math question to decide the match. All right, let's get this game underway. Thank you, Past Dan. That was uh, that was a decent reading. You could have done better, but you know, this gives you something to shoot for. And with that, it's time for Geving's set of wheelhouse questions. So question number one, there is one baseball hall of famer who spent at least one season on the roster of the Cubs in the 21st century. Name him. I'll check in. Gavin is checked in. So, uh, Tim Simplot, feel free to talk it out. Um, I'll be honest. I got nothing. Being a, an American League city, I know more about the American League teams than I do the National League teams. So, uh, I literally have no idea. So, I'm just going to toss off Craig Biggio. And, uh, Gavin, what did you say? I was kind of in the same boat. Uh, I can't think of anybody that actually... Played, I know it's it's crazy to see it seem that way since they had such a good team in the early two thousands or what have you. But that nobody actually went to that's been into the Hall of Fame. I don't think Woods in the Hall of Fame uh, as far as that goes. I, my only guess was a Lou. Was this a Lou? All right, no points on this one. Walling, you got any? Uh, got anything on this? Oh, I I was starting to racket rather go through the Rolodex in my brain, but I don't have anything off the top of my Would head. Would it help if I said that he came back to the Cubs? Andre, no, Andre, started his career Josh? with the Cubs uh, came oh, back the, to the Cubs was it Maddox it's Greg Maddox is the correct answer uh, I don't ever think luck. of him and I was about to say the same thing it's got to be someone right there at that 2000 2002 I think he came back in 2000 somewhere came back in 04 and 05 oh wow see I don't remember I didn't ever expect him that late same with yeah either way all right well let's move on to question number two after no points on that one a quick run-through of the 1993-1994 Chicago Bulls roster will show that Scottie Pippen, B.J. Armstrong, and Horace Grant started most of the games at strong forward, point guard, and power forward, respectively. They platooned three centers for most games, but who started 81 games at shooting guard that season? I'll check in. All right, Simplot's checked in. So, uh, Gavin, talk this one out. Oh, boy. <laughs> Thought it would be Steve Kerr. I think John Paxson's gone by then. Can't really think of anybody else unless it was. I don't think Kerr was there yet either, but I'm still going to. I'm going to check in with Steve Kerr. 
All right, Steve Kerr and uh, Simplot, what did you say? Well, the first name that jumped into my mind was, and I thought maybe this was Dan kind of pulling a Minnesota connection that was Trent Tucker, but I, I don't think he ever was a full season starter for the Bulls. But the name Craig Hodges jumped into my head, so I checked in with Craig Hodges. All right. Um, again, I'm not giving out any points on this one. Uh, Walling, you have heard any idea on this one? Have you? Yeah, uh, Paxson was my guess. <laughs> Paxson thought, was my guess when I made the when I started thinking about this question in the first place. Then I looked it up and it turned out 81 games started by Pete Myers. <laughs> wow. Pete Myers started all but one game at shooting guard for the 93-94 Chicago Bulls. I w- I've never I even heard, never of, heard of that heard guy. I've never heard that name before. I mean, I was a, I'm a religious Bulls fan, especially in the 90s. I've never heard of that guy. Right. That's. I mean, I'd, I'd heard of him. But when I saw that he was the, uh, the the answer to that question, I said, well, I've got to ask that question. So, uh, you all right, well, we're going to give some points out here. I promise. <laughs> Just for some historical reference here, he shot, he wouldn't, his game, he wouldn't start for many teams as a shooting guard because he shot about, he shot 27% from three that year. So blistering white hot 27% from beyond the arc. Those well, are Ben Simmons he, numbers. <laughs> When the best player in the history of the league just retires out of nowhere, you got to scramble, right? And you know they didn't have a they didn't have a bad season either without without Jordan either, and that's the thing. No, Pippen actually, I mean, Pippen was really good that year. All right, well, we're going to stay on the topic of the Chicago Bulls. Number three, we all know that the '90s Bulls owned the Knicks, beating them in four series that decade, four postseason series that decade. But the Bulls beat two other teams in playoff series in three times in the 1990s. I'd like you to name either of those two teams. I'm checked in. All right. Gavings checked in. Simplot, you can uh, talk this one out. I'm going to check in with the Pacers as being one of them. Okay. With the Pacers. And um, Gavings, what did you say? Um, I was kicking around in between the Heat and the Cavs, uh, but I went with the Heat. Well, the two teams that they beat three times in the 1990s were the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Miami Heat. Wonderful. Nice one. F- um, funny enough, they only beat the Pacers in one series. In the, oh, uh, wow. Yeah, they, they never really got a chance to play them because the Pacers had their, their own thing going with the Knicks. And uh, they were usually ranked pretty high as well. Like they were so they wouldn't actually face each other until the end or what have you. So that's why they, that the heat was always in that seventh and eighth seat. So they'd always play the bulls. I gotcha. That makes sense. That was, a, I think they had Harold minor and those guys, baby Jordan or baby, baby Jordan. All right. We're going to stay with the bulls for one more question here of all the players drafted by the Chicago bulls in the 1990s, which one went on to play in the most games in the NBA? with 1,058. I'll check in. All right, Simplot's checked in. So, Gavin, you can try to talk this one out if you want. Not really. Uh, there's just a few that I can think of. I was kind of thinking of Tyson Chandler, but after what I just heard, now I don't think so, obviously. Um, I'm guessing he probably got drafted in 2000, but I thought him and Eddie Curry were together, but they must have been back-to-back. Curry was in 99, I think, 98. With Scott Williams, he seems like he's played forever. Uh, Purdue, those are the type of guys I'm thinking of right now. I'm just trying to pick which one is the best, worst answer. I will uh, 
Man, Chandler sounds really good, though. It doesn't seem like enough. You said 1,058 games, so you got to think that's 12 or 13 years. Um, I'll check in with Will Purdue. I don't like it, but I'm going to. All right. And Simplot, what did you say? I'm now realizing this guy might have been drafted in the late 80s. I went with Charles Oakley. Okay. Um, you both missed the decade, unfortunately. And and actually, uh, Gavin, you missed the team altogether, too. Um, Tyson Chandler was drafted by the Clippers. Traded to Chicago. Well, on draft, right. Yeah, it's, yeah. That I, doesn't yeah. make, that's nothing yeah. to me. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. But actually, either way, it was going to, uh, it was going to turn out to be, um, the way you had to, the way you had to go about this one is think about when they actually would have been drafting somebody who would have had staying power. Um, that would have been late in the, in the nineties. It was 1999 and it was Elton Brand. Uh, see, I was thinking of Eddie Curry, but then he had the heart issues. And God bless it. I always forget about Brand, even though he was the number one. I was torn because didn't they also draft the old Meta World Peace that year? They did, they did. Also in um, '99. That was my guess. Is it right. Meta World Peace or has he changed his name again? Does it matter? He is because he's in the um, he's in that three on three now. He was just drafted last couple weeks in that three v three. run our test, right? Yes, Meta Meta Sandiford our test is his new name. Okay. Again, I'm going to say it doesn't matter. <laughs> Hot take on my part, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> All right, let's go back to the uh, to the Cubs. On October 16th, 2016, in the National League Divisional Series, the baseball world was subject to one of Matt Vaskersian's more over-the-top calls as the Cubs broke a 0-0 tie, causing Vaskersian to scream, It's in the basket! Who hit this tie-breaking home run? I'll check in. All right. Uh, Simplot's checked in. So, uh, Gavin, let's uh, hear what you got to say about this. First of all, can we all agree that Matt Viscursion just needs to, you know, take it, take it down a little bit? Santa Maria. Isn't mm-hmm. that? <laughs> Especially when you're playing MLB the show, then you get enough of him. Uh, let's see. I mean, I, I don't really remember the, the, the call. I mean, vaguely. Very, uh, I, I don't think it was. I don't know. I'm trying to think if I should just go with one of the big guys or the smaller guy. I think it's either could be Fowler or Schwarber. See, Schwarber was coming back. I think that he came back that year after he blew out his knee. I'll go with Schwarber. I'll check in with Schwarber. All right. Simplot, what did you say? I checked in with I have no idea, but I just want to make it easier for you guys to edit this, so I have no idea. <laughs> well, we appreciate that. Um, any idea on this one, uh, Walling? Is this the um, the tie-breaking home run by Mr. Javi Baez? That would be correct. It was the tie-breaking home run by Javi Baez that landed in the basket, the uh, that fenced area on the uh, above the wall. Um, it was uh, one of the more famous uh, radio calls that uh, we've uh, we've heard and in, uh, in Cubs history. So that's why I uh, thought that might be uh, might be memorable. So. I think I've uh, I've broken Gavin. He's uh, he's he's reaching for a drink. <laughs> <He's reaching> for... <laughs> All right. Well, after five questions, Gavin does have the lead after his uh, after his round. It is ten to zero, and we'll now be moving on into Simplot's wheelhouse, which is obviously not Chicago sports. <laughs> so here we go with question number one. On August third, nineteen eighty-seven, which Minnesota Twins pitcher? earned a 10-game suspension 
when he was caught trying to toss an emery board from his pocket while the umpire was examining the ball that he'd been scuffing. I'm checked in. All right, Simplot's checked in. So, Gevin, you can uh, you know, try, try to talk it out if you can. Once again, I know some of the pitchers from the Twins, but because of RBI baseball. Thank you, uh, video games. So, uh, like, Burt, be home by 11 uh, would be my first guess. Uh, I'm trying to think of other I – mean, I think I'm just going to check in with Burt by 11. Burt by 11, all right. And uh, Simplot, what did you say? So, first of all, I always thought this was kind of a sham anyway because – what was the, I mean, it's not like he was taking the emery board out and using it in the field of play to, um, to mar the ball. But anyway, this is the uh, late great knuckleballer, Joe Necro. Yep. Uh, Tim will be getting, Tim uh, Simplot will be getting the points on this one. Uh, the correct answer is uh, Joe Necro. And um, you think about the, uh, the people that are going to be scuffing the ball are the guys that really need to get a hold of it. The knuckleballers. Um, he, he'd been doing that his entire career. He'd made a career out of it. I think they were just looking right. to put him away at that point. So um, it's, it's a, if you get a chance to look up the video for it though, it's, it's great. He, <laughs> he, they, they ask him to empty his pockets. So he, you know, he, he pulls out his pockets and then throws the Emery board. And there's, there's this one, umpire it's tim cheetah from st paul yeah i was gonna say i think it's Tim Cheetah. that's watching and he sees it out of the corner of his eye and he just kind of turns his head and watches the thing fly looks at him just points at him and just tosses him (laughs) it's it's how old was was necro at that point joe was in his 40s probably he was late 30s at least this was at the end of going on um he was on Letterman, I think, either like the next week, and he showed up, walked out on the stage with a tool belt on with all these tools hanging <laughs> from his belt. He, he got some good miles out of that. I don't even – I don't even recall Necro being a twin, I guess. He was for one season. Got a well, uh, there you go. got a World Series ring out of it. So, All right, question number two. The 1978 season, the final season of the NFL's dead ball era, which Jets wide receiver – led the league in receiving yards with 1,169 yards. Uh, Coincidentally, if you replace one vowel in his name, you get the name of the 2011 NFL receptions leader. I'll check in. All right, Simplot's checked in. So, uh, Gavin, you can uh, try to talk this one out. Um, Wow. No, there's not much here again. I mean, this is just going to be the same thing over and over. Uh, 78 season. I can't think of a Jets receiver uh, like Lavernius Cole Senior. Is that a guy like um, uh, Elijah Moore the to... first? <laughs> or the first, right? Uh, this was Randy Mess. That uh... <laughs> that's funny you say that because I was actually th- I was trying to go from the other way then as well. The uh, the 2011 NFL receptions leader. I was thinking maybe it was uh, I don't even know uh, Gates or somebody like that. Um, but um, I can't even tell you who would be on that Jets team. Um, I'm not going to – I have no idea. Um, man, oh, man, I'm just trying to give a Jet. I don't know if I can get there. Largent, that's all I got. I got nothing else. And uh, Simplot, what would you say? I'll be honest, the only Jets receiver I can think of are back in that time frame. Um, I don't know if it's right because I don't think it fits the second part. I checked in with Emerson Boozer. All right, yeah, no points on this one. But um, Eric Walling, you got a guess? Yeah, I went at it from. I went back to front. <clears throat> you always sometimes you go back to front, uh, and I, I'm, I, I don't know if this is the correct answer, but 2011 is about the right time frame for Wes Welker to be leading uh, the NFL in receptions. So I would have checked in with Walker because 
seems like a wide receiver name. Well, you would have gotten the points on that one because the correct answer is Wesley Walker. Um, and I'll be honest, the uh, throwing that part in there was the <laughs> only reason I did that was because uh, I wasn't positive that anyone was going to remember Wesley Walker. Right. But uh, I thought you might be able to get there with Wes Welker. All right. Got a high scoring game going on here. Yeah. <laughs> Blame the question. Pitcher's duel. All right, question number three. During game two of the 1991 World Series, as he was racing back to first base, which Atlanta Braves base runner's momentum carried him past the bag, allowing the Twins' Kent Herbeck to make the tag to end the inning, stranding the tying run on third base? Leaving an important note out here, Dan. was his momentum. Leaving a very important note out. All right, Simplot's checked in. So, uh, uh, Gavin, you can try and talk this one out. Um, I don't know. Terry Pendleton, Sid Bream. I, I mean, those are just a few people I, that I remember being on that team. Um, I'm trying to think who else would be on that team. You can't tell from the uh, from the chat, but uh, the word momentum is italicized <laughs> or quotations. <laughs> oh, well, that makes me think it's a rather large fella. Um, trying to think of who that catcher was. That they had. Yeah, the only thing that's coming to my name is uh, Pete Incavilia, and that is not who I'm trying to think of. Um, it's not who you're trying to think of, but I no. love I love a Pete Incavilia reference. I, I, I do too. I appreciate I appreciate you for that. I'm giving you uh, ten imaginary points for bringing up Pete Incavilia. Okay. So In case of a triple tiebreaker, that could work. Yeah. I don't understand why I can't think of this guy, the catcher. Um, yeah, right. Uh, Terry Pendleton. I'll check in with Terry Pendleton. All right. And Simplot, what do you have? Uh, yeah, this play is um, immortalized quite often, and Herbeck loves to talk about it. Um, the reason why uh, Dan was using quotations, not because it wasn't of the or italicizing momentum, not because this guy was big, but the umpire was ruling that it was the player's momentum that was carrying him past the bag and that, it, then that Ken Herbeck wasn't actually pulling him off the base. But it's Ron Gant. Yep, uh, that is correct. Uh, it was Ron Gant who uh, he, he he went back to the base real hard. He shouldn't have gone that hard because he kind of fell right off the bag. And I mean, what was Herbeck supposed to do? I mean, the guy was falling into him. I mean, yeah, falling. He was just him. trying to help him out. Yeah, it wasn't going to push him back onto the onto the bag. I mean, that would have been rude. I was just going to add to the flavor text, but I'm not sure what the next question is, so I don't want to ruin it. Maybe not a belly to belly suplex. Maybe start with that. <laughs> I just know too many people who are going to be very upset at the way I read, I read that, and uh, that's fine. They can be upset. Scott Barber, I'm talking about you. You can give that flavor text if you want. There's not going to be another Twins question today. Oh, okay. It was just that uh, between Ron Gant and Lonnie Smith, um, Lonnie Smith falling for the um, Chuck Knobloch um, deke at second base that he should have scored on, but because Knobloch deked him out, he ended up only stopping at third and cost him the game. That'll be the last time Chuck Knobloch comes up today, I promise. Yep. Unless one of you gets the yips. <laughs> Hold yeah. right here. Watch me. <laughs> All right. Question number four. The 1970s saw three different NBA teams win their first and to date only finals championship. I'd like you to name two out of those three teams, please. All right. I'll check in. Simplot's checked in. So, uh, Gavin, go ahead and talk this one out. All right, so I'm just kind of going through all the teams to figure out and think of went, how many they won. Um, I think I got the Sixers down as one of my answers. I think I'm going to go Sixers and Bucks. Like, all right, Sixers and Bucks. Simplot, what would you say? Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I know it's not the Sixers because I think they won in like 80 or 81 with Moses Malone. Um, so it wasn't them. I'm almost positive the Sonics won one. Um, I think Jack Sigma was their big stud that year. I think it might, it might have even been 79, I think, but I'm pretty sure the Sixers, I'm sorry. I'm pretty sure it's the Sonics, and I think it's also the Bucks. I think the Bucks might have won one with uh, uh, then Lou Alcindor. All right, the three teams that uh, did win in the 70s for the first time and only time are the Portland Trailblazers, the Seattle Supersonics, and the Milwaukee Bucks. So uh, Tim Simplot will be getting his 10 points on that one. And the reason I said uh, to date... Um, only championship is because the Bucks are still alive this year. Yeah. After that uh, crazy end last night, was it last night or was it two nights or whatever it was? It was last, last night, night when last James night. Harden couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Yeah. He Katie, have I would not have ever guessed the uh, Trailblazers. I, I'm going to have to look up that team because I'm trying to think of who their big studs would have been in that team. Um, probably Walton at that point, right? Oh, really? I believe so. Don't quote me on that. I think you're right. Yeah, he was on that team. He was definitely on the team. I know that, but I don't know how how good he was at that time. Mm. Mo Lucas. Um, let's see here. Wally Walker. Was well, that that's West, a, Wesley Walker? He no, was a, I was gonna say <laughs> he was the receiver. Yeah. <laughs> Corky All right. Calhoun. All right, let's go on to the last question here in um, Simplot's round. Since their last Super Bowl appearance in January of 1977, who has started the most regular season games at quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings with 110? Wow. I'm checking in because I don't want to sound like an idiot. I'm tired of having to talk and say, oh, well, I don't know this. So, uh, okay. All right. Gavin's checked in. So, uh, Simplot, go ahead and talk it out. So, I'm just doing some quick math. That's why I have my phone out and uh, 110. So, like, if it was a 12 game season, that's obviously uh, 110 divided by 12 games is about nine seasons. 110 divided by 16 game seasons, well, six seasons, well, six to seven seasons. I'm going to check in with Tommy Kramer. All right. Check in with Tommy Kramer. And uh, Gavin, what'd you say? Uh, I just said Culpepper. I know he's not there long enough, but it was mine. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, Culpepper is number two, and he's not very far behind. So that was a, uh, a very, very good guess. Almost had it. Uh, correct answer, however, is Tommy Kramer. Two-minute Tommy. These are all people I've never oh, heard of. Bringing his personal life into nicknames, that's disappointing. <laughs> Tommy Kramer had a very, very good career with, with the Vikings, um, although his teams weren't great. But he he stuck around for a long time after. He, he was um, almost immediately after... Um, Fran Tarkenton. Fran, yeah. And he was the quarterback up through uh, through most of the 80s. So. That's not even the Kramer I think of if you say a quarterback. Yeah. Well, if Probably Eric, Eric Kramer. Kramer. Yeah. Yeah. That, was that his dad, brother, cousin? Or not related, one of the two. Was it even I follow spelling Tommy correct? Kramer on, <laughs> I follow him on Twitter, Tommy Kramer. He's kind of fun on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Tommy Kramer's a pretty good follow on Twitter if you're a uh, if you're a Vikings fan, I, I don't know if he's great yeah. if you're not, but um, right. He's, yeah. Pretty good follow. All right. Score update after the second set. Uh, Simplot um, um, improved on the score a little bit. He is at 40 points and Geving is still at 10, but we are with uh, five questions left. It is still anyone's game. I have so a question, we're going Tim, to... what were your, I'm sorry. What was your 
Uh, I should say that. Let me get that in there. <laughs> because I went through and started looking at all the UNLV stuff. And I was looking at, because um, you're a UNLV fan, right? Just of the 1991 team. Yeah. All right. I went through that in Minnesota hockey. The wheelhouse categories that we wrote uh, these five questions were from were Minnesota sports and sports in general from the 70s and 80s, actually. So that's where uh, that's where those wheelhouses came from. And one of them, that last one was a uh, an overlap for both. All right. We're yeah, I, just, I always lumped that together as old guy sports. It's time for the final set of general knowledge questions. And uh, don't forget that you do have your one help from uh, Eric Walling in this one, if you choose to use it, but your points will be cut in half if you, uh, if you do use him, if you get it right. Question one, the Capital One Cup is an award that's been given annually since the 2010-2011 uh, school year. It's awarded to the school with the highest all-around success rate for all Division I college sports programs. Which is the only school that has won both the men's and women's cup multiple times? I'm going to check in. All right, Simplot's in. So, um, Gavin, see what you can do with this one. Um, I don't – my first name that comes to mind is Baylor. Um, the men, the men's and the women's basketball teams. Just, I know it's throughout the, all the sports. I see, I think that they usually have a very, they're pretty good as, as all around sports. I think. I was thinking them. Oregon might be another option, just because of the track. I think Oregon's got a pretty good track um, record. Uh, but I don't think it could be Minnesota. There's too much Minnesota on the podcast, right? Um, it's not Minnesota. I'm just going to go right ahead and tell you that right now. It's not Minnesota. Uh, um, I'm going to check in with Baylor. All right. And uh, Simplot, what did you say? I want to think. I think I checked in with Stanford. I think I, I feel like I, I I think it's Stanford. I I know they have a lot of Division One sports, and um, they just seem to do really well in a lot. So I I checked in with Stanford. All right. Well, on the men's side, the uh, Florida Gators the Virginia Cavaliers and the Stanford Cardinal have won twice on the women's side. There is not been a repeat winner except for the five times that the Stanford Cardinal have won it. So the answer we're looking for there is Stanford. You got to remember, yeah, Stan Stanford's really good at a lot of things that aren't the major sports, but the uh, capital one cup is weighted toward the major, the major sports though. So it is, um, they, you get a certain amount of points for winning a championship in, in all the other sports, but they're like doubled if you do it in one of the major sports. So, all right. This that is my game. Range, right. I'm sorry. I think that puts it out of range, right? This is the last round. Um, no, you can catch him if you get all of them right. And he doesn't get any of them. Right. So, so you're saying there's a chance. Yeah. All right. How are you with uh, NASCAR? Here comes the question. In May of 2021, NASCAR unveiled their next-gen cars for the 2022 Cup Series. The Toyota model is a Camry, while the Chevrolet model is a Camaro. What is the Ford model? I'll check in. All right. Gavings checked in. Simplot, you can talk it out. Boy, if, the, if Toyota is the Camry and the I mean, performance cars, I, I, I can't think it's going to be the Mustang. <laughs> 
I mean, I know that is a performance car. Um, what's the uh, Ford? The, what do they make? They make the Focus. The I can't think of what other cars they make besides the Focus. That's awfully small. So is the Camry. Um, you know, I'm just going to check in with Mustang. All right. And Gavin, what did you say? I checked in with Fusion. Fusion. I couldn't think of. Yep. Up until um, just a couple of years ago, it was the uh, the Ford Fusion, but they did change over to the Mustang. Simplot getting the points on that one. We'll uh, we'll finish this game out for uh, for fun, but uh, we are uh, I think we have official fun. Who's point. having fun? Okay, we'll we'll uh, we'll finish the game out for, to be official. I'm kidding. I just want to go on the record. I can't believe I got a NASCAR question right because as soon as you said NASCAR, my confidence went way down. All right. Well, it's going to get worse. We're going to hockey now. We're going to the NHL. This week, which NHL head coach was awarded the Jack Adams Award for the NHL's best coach? He played for the team that he now coaches for 10 years of his 21-year career. Check in. All right. Simplot's checked in. So, Gavin, again, go ahead. I'd rather not. I have no idea. Um I could tonight is not my night. Um, oats. I'm gonna go with oats. I don't. That's okay. my guess. All right, I'll check in it. with oats and um, Simplot. What'd you say? Uh, well, I think the only reason I know this is because our guy Evanson came in second, but I'm pretty sure it's Brindamore from the Carolina Hurricane. Correct answer is Rod Brindamore from the Hurricanes. Yeah, he um he had a a very good year this year. The uh, the Hurricanes had a very good career and then just kind of. Sucked it up in the playoffs, as per the usual for teams that I follow. Speaking of sucking it up in the playoffs, there's a Doc Rivers team about to underachieve yet again. Down by four. Here we go. He <laughs> coaches, he's coached more game sevens than anybody else. I wonder what his I can't I, I wonder I just, what his record is in the game sevens. I know I just read a stat game. about Tyrone Lou. Wasn't he like undefeated in game sevens or something? He had just an insanely good record in game sevens. Well, he hasn't lost. Yeah, yeah. this year he ain't, they didn't get to Game Seven. They closed it out before. Or no, I'm just trying. To, there was yeah, I just read a Tyrone, and Tyrone and... loose stat that was something like it was like I can't remember what it was. Sorry, I, I can't think of what it was. But all right, well, while we're uh, while we're doing our uh, Tyrone Lou research, let's uh, let's move on to question number four, and um, just because uh, just because Walling is you know. Watching the game and commenting on the game doesn't mean he doesn't get a wheelhouse question, too. So here comes question number four. Petey With 139 Petey. wins, who is the all-time leader for wins for the Texas Rangers? I'll use your Walling. All right. So uh, Gavin's going to use uh, Eric Walling for this one. Simplot, you can either talk it out or I suppose you could use Walling, too, if you wanted. No, I'll, I'll pass. I, I don't know what the answer is. I'm trying to give. Oh, uh, um. I think I'm going to check in with Fergie Jenkins. All right. Fergie Jenkins. And uh, so Walling, you've got Geving's fate in your hands here. What are you, uh, what are you going to say? Better not be Nolan Ryan, by the way. Uh, It's not. Um, And if, if Geving, if Simplot had asked me for this, I would have, you know, we had our thing. I was going to get it. But the wrong answer is Kenny Rogers and also Ferguson Jenkins, who didn't play there that long. He played there like a year. Um, Kenny Rogers was, I think, second, but in a very, very sad 
sad statement on this franchise Texas Rangers. Um, the leading winner of all time in Texas Rangers history is none other than old man knuckleballer himself, Charlie Huff. Charlie Huff. Yep. I should have got that. Gavin, you're getting your points on this one. Uh, Walling did come through for you. It is Charlie Huff with 139 wins. Oh, man. Thank you, sir. You're, uh, you're, you're five spots in the mail. <laughs> Just keep it. We'll, we'll double down next time we play together. Sounds good. <laughs> do I have to? Uh, we have to schedule you two to play together next. That, uh... Yeah, let's do it. Right. Yep. Are you sure Fergie Jenkins didn't have a 139 win season that one year? That, you played <laughs> <laughs> that would mean that I'd the like Rangers that had check. 139 wins. So no, Jenkins, I know I don't know much, but I think I would have heard of that. Or at he least played for a little longer, but he um. So Ferguson Jenkins and um oh who else were the first two people who were ever associated with the. Uh, Texas Rangers that got inducted in the Hall of Fame. So he was the first Ranger to have his um, his number retired, even though he only won like maybe 80 or 90 games with the Rangers. Gaylord Perry, that's the other one. And Gaylord Perry wow. came to an old-timers game with both sides of his button of his jersey with the, like, the names of all the teams he had played for. God, how big was the jersey? <laughs> he played for jersey. everyone. Yeah, he did. <laughs> He did that for uh, like Ruben Sierra and uh, yeah. and the like. Do you guys know what a Monda Green is? It's like um, the running back. Mishear, no, when you mishear song lyrics, like the song, <laughs> uh, the song um, I, "Our Lips Are Sealed" by the Go Go's. A friend of mine used to think it was "I Love Cecile." That's a Monda Green. <laughs> yeah. I always thought when I was a really young kid, I thought Ferguson Jenkins was Fergus and Jenkins. And I thought they were like a pitcher. Law pitcher. Firm. Uh, Talk about law firms. Bats, you know what I mean? We got Fergus um, and Jenkins coming to the, so I thought they were a pitching team or, you know what I mean? A battery. battery. By the time everybody hears this, it won't be an upcoming episode anymore. It will be uh, an episode from the past, but uh, for you two, you're about to hear about the, uh, the comedy team of uh, Mario and Dreddy. same concept right coming all right let's move on to the last question here as of the 2021 season how many teams play in the mls i'll check in all right kevin's in so some plot i'll check in i think it's i'm just gonna go with 12 we have a team right here in town i don't follow them at all honestly but i'm just gonna go with 12 all right and uh giving what'd you got 14 14 Wally, you got an idea? Yeah, there were 26 before this, and now there are 27 teams in the MLS. Yeah, that's true. There, there were 26 teams. And uh, the who, who was the new one this year? Is it uh, Inter-Miami. That's, that's right. Beckham's team. Yeah. Moved it up to 27 teams. Wow, I just never would have guessed it to be out of the teams. Well, I mean, I can tell you right now, if there's only 12 teams, Minnesota's not got one. That's true. So well, you usually hit the smaller. I mean, yeah, but you say that, but like Columbus had one just in the inaugural year, right? You know, yeah, that's true. In KC, I mean, not KC, yep. yeah, yeah, well, sporting KC doing time. this year. Uh, we're not bad. We lost last night to Portland, but I would never know how it went down because YouTube TV hates Bally Sports and I can't watch any of my local teams. So I just have to follow along with internet commentary. Hulu is everybody, so you know. Most everybody hates Bally Sports right now. Yeah. And I'm not going back to AT&T. No. Nope. You, AT&T. Me neither. Done with... Yeah. 
All right. Well, the uh, the game has come to an end, perhaps mercifully. Um, and here are the final scores. Um, Tim Geving, you're going to finish with a score of 15. And today's winner, who's going to be moving on to the next round with a score of 70 points, is Tim Simplot. Nice job, Tim. Well done, Tim. Good job. Thanks. Dan, Good job. Um, anything you guys want to say before we uh, call it a night tonight? We'll uh, start with you, Tim Geving. Anything else you want to say? No. Uh, well done. Uh, Dan, just I never do well with your any of your games. It doesn't matter which one. And it's not – it's just we don't – it's just not there. We just pass, and, and we don't have – Nowhere close to the same information as you do. So it is what it is. And I appreciate it. Great questions. I should have known them. It's not that I shouldn't have done them. Uh, Pete Myers. I don't know who the he is, but other than that, um, <laughs> we all learned something today with that question. Yeah. I mean, there's a, to be fair, I ran that one past uh, Philip Sanford. He, he didn't get it either. That should have been my first. Yeah. My first. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, and you said it the other way where you said that he did get it. I'm like, well, that doesn't, that means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Tim Simplot, how about you? Anything else you want to say? Um, great game, Tim. It's always fun to play with another Tim. I um, honestly, I just felt like the luck was on my side more than it was my knowledge. Um, and I'm also looking at the, uh, roster for the 1977 Portland Trailblazers. And there are a few names that I've heard of. Lionel Hollins, Maurice Lucas, uh, and Bill Walton were the three big names on there. But anyway, uh, I really appreciate this tournament. It was fun. And Tim, again, thanks for being a great opponent. And um, Eric, uh, thanks for being kind of the phone-a-friend. Glad to I'm, uh, help out. I guess I'm, <laughs> I'm now off to go change my name because I've now lost. The, Is this a yeah. loser, loser loses the Tim match tonight? Loser That's leaves what, uh, Tim match. That's exactly what this was. Loser <laughs> leaves Tim match. That was the, uh, I think Grimes had that comment that whoever loses has to change your name. That was Marcus. It Marcus. was fantastic. <laughs> yep. So now I will be known as Tom. I've done no good <laughs> to all the Tims. All right. Walling, anything you got to say before uh, we call tonight tonight? No, thanks for thanks for having me on. Glad I could help out, even though it was just a sad reminder of what an awful franchise the Texas Rangers are. <laughs> but I did used to go early to watch Charlie Huff throw for one of the 45 seasons he played in the... Just so we could go stand down and watch him throw bullpens. My dad and I would go early and just watch him throw knuckleballs <laughs> for the entire bullpen. The thing great. I was always fascinated by is the... Uh... I think I, I saw it when uh, the thing about knuckleballers, not just the fact of what they throw, but the glove that the catcher has to use for a knuckleball pitcher is not the same glove that they use for a non knuckleball pitcher. Yeah. It's like it four feet wide by four yeah. feet tall. Yeah. Right. So they have, a it looks a lot more like it. a first, looks like more then, like a first baseman's glove than it does. a. And I just remember that from when Joe Negro was here and they showed the, I think it was a Mark Salas. Mark Salas was his catcher. Yeah. Yes. And um, his glove was just, it, it's not a typical catcher's bit. Thank you for listening to the Benchwarmers Trivia Podcast. And until next time, we'll keep the bench warm. That ball hit high and deep. Stretch. Stretch. Get on back there. They look up. You can put it on the board. Yes. Yes. Into deep left center for Mitchell. And we'll see you tomorrow night. That great music you're listening to is by Justin Nozick. Thanks to him for producing that music for us. You've been listening to the Benchwarmers Trivia Podcast. Make sure to check us out on all of our social media. We are at Benchwarmers TP.